They just keep doing it to us, don't they? We record Romaniacs on a Wednesday afternoon and every week, without fail, the government does something strange and unpredictable on a Thursday, which completely upsets the apple cart. This week, it was Theresa May going back on her pledge to Dominic Grieve that uh, the Tory rebels' requirements for a meaningful vote uh, on the withdrawal bill will be taken on board. It turns out that her word doesn't really mean very much at all. I'm Andrew Harrison. It's my job to make sure that the show is as up-to-date as we can make it. So I went into central London today to meet Naomi Smith from the panel at the lovely offices of Best for Britain to talk about these things. Please excuse our lo-fi sound. It's a bit echoey. It's a bit clangy. But we had to do it on the hoof without access to our lovely usual producers. So uh, be aware and uh, prepare yourself for leaps in volume up and down. And we'll see you next Wednesday for a properly produced podcast with proper knob twiddling. Dominic Grieve, Theresa May and the art of the non-deal deal. Uh, on Tuesday, the Prime Minister assured the former Attorney-General that MPs would get a greater say on the Brexit deal. And the conditions were not made public. It was a promise to consult and uh, come Thursday, it appears that in the style of Darth Vader and Lando Calrissian, I'm altering the deal. <laughs> Pray I don't alter it any further. Naomi, tell me firstly, what exactly happened here? So, we have a weak Prime Minister who's trying to keep everybody happy, keep the wheels on the bus of this you know, increasingly rickety bus, She's promised different things to different people. She's promised Dominic Grieve that, yes, part C of his amendment would be kept in and honoured, and that gives MPs the right to say what will happen. It gives power to Parliament to say what will happen in the event that the government doesn't get a deal. Mm-hmm. He believed her promise. Off he went. He then leaves Parliament to get on a train to Bangor to go and record question time, and halfway down the track takes a call to... Uh, find out that no, this deal has been reneged on, and uh, and the red line for government remains that it is they and not Parliament that get to decide what happens in the event of a no deal. Has May just caved to the Brexit jihadis again? Because she seems to cave to whomever the last person she spoke to. So the rumours are that David Davis has intervened personally, uh, probably threatened yet another resignation, a sixth resignation yes. uh, 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 threat, um, and, and and you know this is this is what everyone is sort of rumouring has happened, uh, and so effectively yes has has capitulated to them. But it's an incredibly dangerous game to play because uh, you know as Dominic himself has already come out and said, the Lords will amend it back in, and when the vote comes back to the Commons, and that will probably be next week. Uh, I think it's likely to be next Wednesday, but it may end up being a little bit later than that, that, you know, that there are the votes in the Commons. And we're going to be talking about the Lewisham uh, East by-election later, but of course there is now one more uh, Remainer vote in Parliament than there was last week when they were all voting on this stuff. I mean, it certainly seems like the last tattered remnants of Brand May are being torn to pieces because the one last thing you thought you could depend on her... It was honour. was honour. It was to be the trustworthy kind of deputy head girl type, uh, you know... What, whatever the job needs to be done, well, I'll, mm, I'll do it, mm, and you can trust mm, me. And mm. it seems, this seems to be the kind of dead-end behaviour you see in the final reel of a war film, yeah. when people are just doing what's necessary to survive from minute to minute. There's yeah. no strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Why would anyone on the Remain side trust Theresa May over anything now? 
but they won't. And, and you know, this is the culmination of a strategy that has been pursued for the last year, which is get through the next 24 hours, say what you need to say to, to buy a bit of time just to survive, because she has got this incredibly weak situation. She's propped up by the DUP. She's got factions within her own party uh, and, you know, dealing with, with uh, uh, no appetite uh, in terms of a, a parliamentary majority for any kind of hard Brexit. And it's finally chickens coming home to roost, I'm afraid, for her. We've heard what we've seen in public what Donald Creed thinks about it he's described it as a slap in the face which is pretty strong language for a parliamentarian especially language. for somebody like Dominic yeah, yeah who's not known for hyperbolic ex- yeah do we know what the, uh, the, the the rebel remain Tories are saying in private what impression are we getting from them well I think they are feeling um, emboldened um, where you you know it, it, it's kind of easy to rebel um, when when you know the, the the stakes aren't very high, we now know that next week you know they, they it, there's there's all to play for for them. Um, there are the numbers there now, so I think they'll be feeling you know even more determined, and we hopefully will see a few more joining their ranks. So explain exactly what is going to happen next week. So the Lords will amend the bill to probably put back in what is notionally called the Greaves Amendment. So to put back in the right for Parliament to have a say in the event of no deal. So what that means is that... um, So that's been put down by Lord Hailsham. Mm -hmm. That then comes back to the Commons. I think it's going to come back on Wednesday, but some people are saying that um, it'll be either later in the week or even very early the following week. And it's looking very much like there will be uh, the numbers in the Commons to pass that amendment. Whereupon Theresa May will not be able to say, she won't be able to pull the same trick and say, well, don't worry, I will, I will consult with you. No, it, it's, no, once bitten, twice shy now. Yeah, yeah, it's astonishing. Now, my, my very rusty, out-of-date understanding of procedure is that there's a limited number of times that the Lords can ping back pong, back. Yeah. How, many, how many How many ping-pongs do they get? How many goes? Um, I don't know, but I mean, there's, there's, there's the sort of strict rules and then there's the convention. Hmm. I'd be amazed if the Lords fought it again you know they 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 tend to only amend once these days and uh, submit to to the will of the commons um but the commons Don't didn't say submit to the will, <laughs> submit to the will. um but but so I, I think this is probably the last time we'll we'll have the the lords sort of put their their stamp on it right. um and not least because we're now then into uh, the real meat of of things, which is going back to Europe with it, um, because we've got the EU uh, Council happening towards the end of June, mm. and of course, you know, they they uh, have now demoted Brexit down to I think the fourth or fifth agenda item. Um, it's only only us Brits who are so obsessed with taking up huge amounts of debate time. Oh, on what's it. higher on the list? Exciting things. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, stuff, probably. But, yeah, yeah. Right, you know, keeping the EU going and yeah, all the important stuff. Mm. Well, moving on to more withdrawal bill fun, it is a measure of the crazy times that a large rebellion within the Labour Party over EEA membership was hardly noticed by anybody. It just kind of came and went. 75 MPs did what? Defied a whip instructing them to abstain. Six front benches quit. Mm. In normal times, this would be leadership crisis material, but hey, here we are. You know, it's yeah. like everything's on fire, so, so yep. nobody noticed. Um, the amendment enabling EEA membership was defeated by 327 to 126 with six sort of usual suspect Labour MPs voting with the government. What does this say about the state of the Labour Party vis-à-vis Brexit? So it's slightly difficult to talk about this um, without reference to Lewisham, so apologies if I sort of merged the two topics a little bit. So we saw in the local elections uh, in London leave, uh, sorry, remain seats 
um, voting in larger numbers to the Lib Dems and the Greens and the Labour vote being hurt there. Um, and of course in Lewisham we've seen this swing away from Labour. And the Labour Party itself is just totally torn. I mean, I know that most of the MPs realise that, uh, you know, a hard Brexit is a disaster uh, and, and that even shades of soft Brexit are still not going to be good for them personally in their yeah. seats. So, yes, we had 15 um, defy the, the whip uh, in order to vote against the EEA mm. and 75 um, uh, for. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, what, what's difficult about, you know, the Labour Party position is that um, you've got, you had the radicals have sort of finally taken control of the party only to reinvent centrism by saying we've got to keep leavers and remainers happy. And, 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 and I think Owen Jones described it as walking this tightrope uh, of, of keeping leavers and remainers happy. So you know, it's, it's a complete mess at the moment for the, for the Labour Party. And EEA, you know, it is a version of leave. I think that there are a lot of uh, Labour MPs that know that that is, you know, not going to be good for the country, and certainly not going to be good for them in their seats, but it's still better than a hard Brexit. Um, and the, the, the problem with abstentions is that it masks what people are really thinking. So when you whip to abstain and you have all these abstentions, it's masking what their, their real views are. So it's going to be interesting to see how they vote when the whip is different from that and, and whether they're going to uh, you know, carry on backing a, a, a version of leave. Well, it's kind of... The question is kind of moot anyway, isn't it? Because EA isn't exactly on offer as such. It's kind no. of a current kind of fantasy here that uh, we, we can sort of... Once we've voted for it, we can have it. But the, mm. the complex and protracted process of actually mm. enabling that mm. will put it mm. years into mm. the future. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even the Norwegian Prime Minister has told us that it's probably not the sort of thing we'd really want. Uh, and, you know, and, and, so and the they're Norway in it. Guy says, the, Norway, the, Norway the Norway guy says, don't go for the Norway model. You Norway, know. Norway. I remember yeah. that from, from Wales. Yeah. <laughs> don't, 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 don't kill Wales. All, it's, it's all the pay and none of the same. Yeah. I mean, on the scale of... Just looking at the kind of the, the basic gladiatorial parliamentary uh, conflict aspect of it. How big a deal is a rebellion of this kind? A Labour rebellion yeah. or a Conservative? Um, it's... I mean, you know, it, it, it is huge um, and, and probably growing. Um, and I think the danger is that, you know, you've got to pick a side and win it. And at the moment, the danger of not picking a side means I think you're just going to end up failing miserably. Um, and, and not being able to hold your party together for too much longer. Um, you know, it's, a re- it's a real risk for Corbyn, and um, you know, he, he, we're feeling it all around the country where people do go to the polls. They are, you know, in Remain seats, they are um, you know, kicking back against this position. It, he, he can't hold that line for much longer. It's going to come to a point where he has to pick a side. When we've got both of the major parties dealing with significant rebellions, do we even have coherent major political parties anymore. No, and I've said this many times on the podcast, that the, after the referendum, it was clear that the country had moved to a different axis, that, you know, rather than a left-right axis, it had moved to this open society versus closed society, which, which version of the world do you want to live in? Um, but yet the political parties haven't recalibrated around that and are sort of sticking to this left-right line. 
um, and and they haven't moved on, and the electorate has, and they you know they're not they're not keeping pace with where voters are. Just finally, a little bit more on Lucian East. Mm. Labour held onto the seat with fifty point two percent, and it was good for mm. Remainers because mm. the MP Janet David campaigned openly mm. and uh, enthusiastically against hard Brexit. She is a Corbyn backer, but this is a clear variance mm. with Labour policy. What does it mean? Well, what it means is that. Labour are almost certainly going to say, aha, see, this was a very Remainy seat, and of course the Remain vote, you know, came out for for um, other people, predominantly the Lib Dems in this election, um, although the Greens did also have a slight uptick in their share of the vote. For Labour, in, when you are in opposition at this kind of period in a parliamentary cycle, you should not be losing votes. Absolutely not be losing votes, particularly in this kind of a situation with a government as screwed up as the one that we've got that's as weak as it is. So I think this is a really big warning shot. However, what we will almost certainly hear from the Labour Party is, aha, but it would have been the same in a leave seat. We would have lost, we would have lost seats to Conservatives. And this isn't true, because the data, and data that Best for Britain and others have put out, shows that... Uh, even um, leave seats for the Labour MP have nothing to fear from coming out for Remain because predominantly Labour voters vote Remain and those Labour voters that are Labour leave voters are highly unlikely to ever not vote Labour. So the overall message to Labour is leave leave supporters are a very unreliable base on which to build parliamentary support because they don't turn out in elections in the way Remainers do. But also the evidence of the past couple of elections has been they're very promiscuous. They are. They they either don't vote or they move around a lot. And um, and you you ignore your Remain voters at your peril, Labour. Absolutely. So um, we've we've got data and and, and all of these seats are showing, showing this to be the case. Uh, so I think this is very, very worrying. I would be very worried for Labour at the moment, given that they really ought to not be losing any votes at all, and they have had a, a, a big dent uh, in their majority, and that swing has gone almost entirely to the Liberal Democrats, who are one of the only parties that are affirmedly uh, in favour of an exit from Brexit. So it's been another crazy roller coaster. Don't ask me to make a prediction. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just hoping that nothing's going to happen between me pressing stop on this recorder now <laughs> and the hour it will take me to get it up <laughs> God alone knows what could happen. It's Friday, surely they're not going to... Mind you, a couple of weeks ago, with resignations and sackings were announced on Friday night. Exactly. David Davis could be gone by the time you go. Fingers crossed, everybody. So where do you think, on balance, this week's odd events have, you know, which way is the needle going? Is it going in our direction? So if we get it through the Lords next week and then through the Commons, we've effectively killed off hard Brexit. So what, what that the part C of that amendment does is it basically means hard Brexit is dead if we get it through because there is certainly no parliamentary majority for a cliff-edge WTO rules Brexit. That's a big if. So this time next week, we could actually be celebrating the death of hard Brexit. We could. We could well be doing that. Touch wood. Naomi, thank you very much. Have a lovely weekend. Thank I'll see you. you next week. Bye.